Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Inside Science Series. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 467. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Inside Science and Technology Series, we are joined today by author, professor, and superhero educator, Dr. J. Brian O'Rourke. Dr. O'Rourke is a superhero educator and a professor of economics, which is a tough subject to teach, known as the dismal science. Like many of you, I took my fair share of economics classes, and had I been offered a class like this, well, let's just say it would not have been the dismal science for me any longer. You will love our conversation and presentation by Dr. J. Brian O'Rourke, who will change the entire subject of economics when he appears via Zoom at the Smithsonian Associates presentation, August 4th, 2020. And speaking of economics, the Harry Potter novels may seem like a strange perspective from which to view economics in a realm filled with magic. We might expect the economic problems that we muggles face to disappear in a puff of smoke, but even the boy who has lived has to come to grips with fiscal reality. Instead of divination class, Harry should have signed up to study the economics of the magical world. Delving into topics including monetary system, black markets, corruption, labor issues, human capital development, utility theory, and more, economist Brian O'Rourke investigates how economics pervades the Potterverse. In fact, that irritation in Harry's scar is probably not just caused by the return of you-know-who. It is probably brought on by the subject that must not be named. The evening offers the perfect way for wizards of all ages to explore the power of economics. Brian O'Rourke is a university professor of economics at Robert Morris University in Pittsburgh, a co-author of Essentials of Economics, author of Why Superman Doesn't Take Over the World, and editor of Superheroes and Economics, and is our guest today via internet phone. Please join me in welcoming Brian O'Rourke. Brian O'Rourke, welcome back to the program. Oh, it's great to be back. This is a, just a, a great joy and a great kind of break from, from what's been going on recently. My hope is that your family's all well, that you're doing well. I know you're you're a professor, of course, and and so that means interaction with kids. The, the kids are having a time of this, but we're all shifting to a more online kind of environment. And I guess my first question for you is, you know, given your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation via Zoom, tell us maybe about the presentation and uh, tell us how you're going to use Zoom to engage our audience. I think everybody is uh, excited about these these presentations, certainly via Zoom, and everybody does them a little differently. So. What have you got in store for us? I'm going to be presenting uh, Harry Potter and economics, and we're going to talk about this sort of in the in the format that Harry Potter is presented in the book. So I'm going to be looking at this through uh, seven different stages. There's seven books. We'll be looking at seven different lessons, like the years in the Harry Potter books. So we'll start with the basics, just like kind of. When Harry gets to the Hogwarts, he starts with learning the basics of magic. We're going to learn about some of the basics of economics. And then we'll advance gradually through some uh, more advanced topics to explain some of the good and the bad economics in the wizarding world. These stories are so remarkable. And J.K. Rowling has done such a masterful job in telling this really engaging story where things could have, I think, really gotten utterly unbelievable 
But if she hadn't incorporated some really well-crafted economics, it, it could have gotten pretty boring. I mean, if you think about being a witch or a wizard and you think you can wave a wand and have things kind of show up, but if, if the wizards and the witches in the stories could have had whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, the story itself loses complexity. It loses the rich, poor dynamic between Ron and Harry. It, it loses the, the pure blood, mud blood tensions of who should have control of magical powers. Just the whole trial of Harry and Ron and Hermione looking for the horcruxes in the last book wouldn't have been the same if they could have just waved a wand and said, hey, you know, give me all the horcruxes. They're dealing with these, these periods of time where they don't have they have very little to eat. And if they could have just waved a wand and had a turkey dinner there, the story just really wouldn't have been the same. But it's there. It's that economics that really kind of, that really ties the story together. It's, it's obviously not overt, but it's underpinning all of the story. So what I want to present to people is how, how economics is such a vital and instrumental part of even these wild fictional accounts that are out there and and good stories have as part of them really good economics. Um, and we can see some of the bad economics too. And, and by that, I don't mean that, that Rowling got the economics wrong, but the characters in the story sometimes fall prey to a lack of economic understanding. One of the most you know, clear and overt examples of this is the attempt of the purebloods to expunge the mudbloods, you know, the, the people who don't have you know, this pure magical family line. They try to get rid of these people from the wizarding community, and, and they're really doing themselves harm. Um, and so I want to talk about some of the, the good things that happen in economics and just do, do that at the basic level, um, but also some of the bad things, the bad choices that people make in an economic context that actually, if they get what they want, then they're going to be worse off. So that's kind of where I'm heading with this. I like it. I, I think this is great. We've talked before. We've talked a little bit about superheroes being uh, representational, perhaps, of, of economics. And, and, and I can hear in that answer a little bit of a reference to kind of this idea of immediate gratification. And maybe that's not an economics term, but let's use some economics terms together. So talk to us a little bit about scarcity, because I think that might be where you're going with some of this and maybe opportunity costs and utility and how that relates to Harry Potter, because those are real strong economic core kind of principles. And and I know that the Potterverse has a lot of this stuff around it. So give us some detail about the, some of those terms. All right. So I think when, when people ask me, well, you know, what does economics have to do with Harry Potter or what does Harry Potter have to do with economics? One of the first gut instincts would be to say, well, Harry has to have money in the, in the magical world. And so we could talk about the banking sector and we can talk about that. But sort of the first mention of economics in Harry Potter is far earlier in the story. It, it happens very, very early in, the, in some of the first, one of the first couple of chapters. Um, so there's this scene very early on where Harry is at the zoo with his cousin Dudley. So Harry doesn't know he's a wizard yet. And Dudley's kind of this bully of a, of a cousin. And, and Harry gets angry at Dudley and, and basically sicks a python on him. And of course, you know, Dudley is, is freaked out by this, understandably. But Harry's uncle Vernon is also freaked out by this because he's a little bit suspicious about what's going on. So he's giving Harry the third degree and trying to, trying to gain an understanding of 
what happened? And Harry continues to, to persist with his line. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. It was like magic. And when he says that, Vernon goes absolutely berserk. He kind of grabs Harry by the scruff of the neck and chucks him into his little cupboard under the stairs. And Vernon, his face kind of gets purple with rage and screams, there's no such thing as magic. And that's where the economics starts in this, in this series. Um, because when we study economics, we're studying how people deal with unlimited wants in a world where there are limited resources to fulfill those wants. And so we have to figure out how to deal with this very real problem of scarcity, like you mentioned. But we have to deal with it without using magic. Um, and so Vernon, Durs Dudley, or Vernon Dursley is kind of trapped in this world where there is no magic. He doesn't want to believe there's magic. He'll get things. He'll deal with scarcity in the way that people normally deal with scarcity. Because we don't live in a world where there is magic, then we have to deal with scarcity in, in kind of predictable ways. But the wizarding world deals with scarcity differently, but they still have to deal with scarcity. And we see characters directly address this concept of scarcity. So Hagrid tells Harry, Hagrid is this giant uh, who come, shows up and tells Harry he's a wizard. And he tells, he says to Harry, hey, um, we got to keep the wizarding world a secret. That's one of the rules that we have in place. And Harry's a little bit perplexed by that. But, but Hagrid tells him that if the muggles, so the muggles are the non-magical people, if they knew there was magic, they would constantly be seeking magical solutions to their problems. And the implication of that statement is that there simply aren't enough magical folk. There's a, there's a scarcity of magic to solve all of the issues in the muggle world. Additionally, there are some things that magic isn't able to fix. Uh, it's just basically violates the rules of magic. So Hermione reminds us that you can't just conjure some things, some things like food out of midair. So if you're hungry, you can't just wave your wand and have that turkey dinner. It's against the rules of magic. So wizards are dealing with scarcity. They're just dealing, dealing with it in a different way than, than the muggle world. And, and, and there are really interesting ramifications of that reality for us um, if we want people to understand economics better. And economics, of course, is in some respects about choice. So, you know, we have costs involved. We have opportunity costs and there's utility in our ability to, uh, you know, make things happen for ourselves. And I suppose that you're going to relate that to some of the Potterverse for us, too. Oh, sure. Yeah, there's just I love the opportunity to talk to people about these kinds of things, these pop mm -hmm. culture references mm -hmm. in economics. Mm -hmm. and. Yeah, I've read through the Harry Potter books now twice in about the last three months. <laughs> and I keep coming up with new things. I'm like, how am I going to fit all of this stuff into this, you know, hour-long presentation? It is virtually impossible. I need a time turner. So <laughs> I can keep going back in time to say, well, there's this and there's this and there's this. So there's lots of different things. Opportunity costs uh, are involved with, you know, there's some some really interesting illustrations of some of the, of Harry Potter's uh, fellow students who could have gone on to really good schools in the muggle world, but chose instead to go to the magic world. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a really interesting opportunity cost. What am I giving up? Well, I'm giving up this, you know, kind of what, what probably will become a very comfortable lifestyle. I might have to work hard, but I'll be on this track that's going to take me into, uh, into the upper echelons of the socioeconomic status. But, you know, I'm going to give all of that up. My cost is I can't become a 
a, a wizard and, and maybe that, that cost is just too high. So I'm going to take this, take this chance and move in this other direction. And we look at Harry and he talks about some of the things that, that, that make him happy. Uh, so for example, his relationship with Ginny Weasley uh, later on in the series, and he gives that up um, because he's worried about what's going to happen to her as he's being hunted down by Voldemort, the, the great evil, he who should not be named character <laughs> in the book. Um, so there's that opportunity cost. I can either stay here with Ginny or I've got, I've got to go follow my destiny. And, and what am I going to do? And there are these choices that have to be made. And anytime we make a choice, there's a cost involved. When we talk about utility, we're talking about things that make people happy. And there are lots of instances in the books where we see that people follow a track that that makes them happy just because it it gives them this higher kind of sense of well-being that economists call utility. You know, I have to tell you, Dr. O'Rourke, I, I, I'm old, and, and so I would have loved to have had an economics class taught by you. I would imagine that your students are just enjoying these kind of references, these pop culture references to economics. I wonder if you tell us maybe a, a story or two of, of uh, how students are relating to the use of superheroes and Harry Potter and Hogwarts all around the subject of, of economics. How's that, how's that being received in the classroom today? Because I think I would have loved it. Well, I can tell you it's not what they expect when they get <laughs> to class. So I teach mainly a class that's directed at non-business majors. Uh, everybody at Robert Morris, where I teach, has to take an econ class, um, which is great for me. It's sort of his job security. But mm-hmm. um, but it's also an opportunity, I think, to to bring these kinds of, of illustrations into the classroom and to show people how important economics is. The first day I, I, of class, I talk about what economics is. And I, I use that illustration of, um, I show that film clip of uh, Vernon Dursley saying, there's no such thing as magic. And I stop right there. And at that point, students are kind of looking around like, are we in the right place? <laughs> and and it's great. I love to see that because I know I've got their attention. I can kind of start to craft the story of what economics is. A lot of students are coming into the class thinking, um, I probably should know something about economics. I know this is going to be a hard class. It's going to be challenging. And most of them have these stories of how how dull and boring economics is. And unfortunately, that's not the way economics should be. Uh, economics is really, really interesting. And, and if we want to understand our world better, it helps us to understand some basic economics. And Harry Potter and, and superheroes and, and other pop culture references that I use are just ways to introduce and communicate principles and sometimes to answer some interesting questions about what's going on and the choices that people make. So as I illustrate the concepts with students in these comfortable settings, then we can say, all right, so, so here's how this idea of economics shows up in Harry Potter. Let's take that now out of Harry Potter and put it, you know, kind of overlay it onto something that's, that's the real world. So, for example, if we're going to talk about uh, something like oh, what's going on with, with, with COVID right now and, mm-hmm. and the costs and the benefits that exist with locking economies down versus keeping them open, there's a really interesting uh, kind of parallel with that in the third book of Harry Potter, where the Minister of Magic is trying to hunt down Sirius Black, and they've issued a stay-at-home order to keep people safe. And the businesses 
in the village of Hogsmeade, which is right next to the school where the where all the students are. The business owners are they're just furious about this because the way the minister the uh, ministry enforces this is to use these these terrifying creatures called dementors. And nobody wants to be in the presence of a dementor. It sucks the happiness out of your life. And so they use these dementors to enforce these rules. And the question in the in the magical world is, all right, do the benefits of this lockdown outweigh the costs? That's a fundamental part of economic policymaking. And students are, you know, of course they know what's going on with, with COVID, but they may not kind of get the idea of, what do policymakers have to go through? What are the decisions and the decision-making process that a policymaker has to go through when they're trying to decide, should we prevent bars from opening? Should we keep restaurants closed? Should we keep schools closed? What are the, and we can talk about that in the context of benefits and costs. And, and if you put it in the context of Harry Potter first, the light bulbs tend to go off more frequently. Mm-hmm. Because they're, so they're like, I don't know what people are trying to decide in Richmond or in Harrisburg or wherever, whatever state you're in, and the governors are trying to make these decisions, those things can sometimes seem remote from their lives. But most of them have read Harry Potter or watched the movies. And so we, you kind of, you give them this comfort level and then take that idea out of the comfort level and put it in and overlay it onto something that's really going on. Dr. Brian O'Rourke's been our guest today. We'll be at the Smithsonian Associates program via Zoom on Tuesday, August 4th, talking about Harry Potter and economics. Really, I, I just agree with you 100%, Dr. O'Rourke. We should all know something about economics. It's always so nice to speak with you. And uh, and as I say, we, we really, this is essential stuff. I wish I wish I could have learned economics the same way. So I'm just going to, going to encourage all of our audience to to join you there via Zoom. We'll look forward to that coming up. More information will be available at our website about Dr. O'Rourke, about the upcoming Zoom presentation from Dr. O'Rourke. But Brian O'Rourke, thanks again for your time. It's always great to speak with you. Thanks a lot, Paul. It's good to be with you again. My thanks to Brian O'Rourke for joining us today. And my thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to help us prepare the show. My thanks, of course, to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience for joining us. Please Practice safe and smart social distancing and talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. 